0: Infotrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Many prescription drug users living in major cities have a problem. So called pharmacy deserts exist in some urban neighborhoods. With this story, here's Infotrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thank you, Chris. Dima Cato is the Hygieia Centennial Chair and Associate Professor of Pharmacy at the USC School of Pharmacy and Senior Fellow at the USC Schaefer Center for Health Policy and Economics. Professor Cato, you were the senior author of a study of what are termed pharmacy deserts in many U.S. cities. Briefly, how do you define a pharmacy desert?
1: We define pharmacy deserts two different ways based on the extent to which households in a neighborhood have access to or use a car or a private vehicle. For those that have access to a car, we define it as living one mile or more from their nearest pharmacy. For those neighborhoods that lack access to a car, that threshold is lower to half a mile or more from the nearest pharmacy.
0: And so what did your study find in terms of these pharmacy deserts?
1: So we found across the country for the 30 cities we examined, a third of all neighborhoods were pharmacy deserts, the vast majority of which were in predominantly black and Hispanic neighborhoods. Compared the disparities between black and white neighborhoods and Hispanic and white neighborhoods, and we found that the extent of the disparities also varied across cities, with Chicago really being the worst in terms of more black communities being pharmacy deserts than whites. In Chicago, we found that more than a third of black neighborhoods were pharmacy deserts compared to just 1% of white neighborhoods.
0: Is poverty the primary driving factor, do you think? Or what are the reasons behind the existence of these pharmacy deserts?
1: Everything's related to poverty. I think, you know, a lot of the issues we face in terms of access to resources are related to poverty. But we actually looked at and compared communities based on their racial ethnic composition within low-income neighborhoods. And even when we do that, we find that it's worse in Black neighborhoods. What that suggests is that it's not just about poverty, it's about segregation. And it's rooted in health policy. Our findings suggest in that most people in predominantly Black and to a certain extent Hispanic neighborhoods are disproportionately publicly insured. So they have Medicare and Medicaid. And Medicare and Medicaid pay pharmacies less for prescription medications they dispense to Medicaid and Medicare patients when compared to private insurance. Private insurance pays the pharmacy more for those same prescriptions. So what does that mean? That means pharmacies aren't really profitable in these neighborhoods. And that's become more of a concern with Medicaid managed care, playing a more important significant role in Medicaid as well as Medicare. So that really leads to not just pharmacy deserts, it leads to pharmacies closing and then the problem worsening over time potentially.
0: Professor Cato, your study focused on urban areas, but do people in rural areas also have problems getting access to pharmacies? I ask because I've seen a number of recent studies that relate to difficulties in COVID vaccine distribution for these areas.
1: Yes, for sure. I think the problem affects many communities across the country, not just communities in cities. The difference being is that in cities, when you look at aggregate growth rates of pharmacies, pharmacies are growing in general. But there's this inequitable distribution that is widening over time because more pharmacies are closing in these minority neighborhoods, whereas more pharmacies are opening in predominantly white neighborhoods. The disparities gap really is more pronounced in the cities because the vast majority of minorities live in large urban areas, and it's for that reason really that we focus on the urban population.
0: So what ends up happening to the consumers in these underserved communities? Do they simply not fulfill their prescriptions, or, or what happens?
1: So that's a good question that we tried answering in a different study. People get used to, you know, living far away from a pharmacy. They take a bus, they make arrangements to have someone pick it up for them. But when it becomes a problem is when pharmacies close because it's usually unexpected and patients don't know when it's gonna happen so they don't know how to deal with it when it does happen. And we found that closures affect minority communities more than any other community. And when pharmacies close, it really impacts adherence. The vast majority of people delay filling up their medications or stop filling them at all which is a big problem, especially in neighborhoods that have even fewer pharmacies. We found that if you live in a neighborhood where there are multiple pharmacies accessible to you, it's not a problem when one pharmacy closes. But when you live in a pharmacy desert, it becomes a very serious issue that impacts adherence to medications and ultimately health outcomes.
0: The largest pharmacy chain in the country has closed 10 stores in one large city over the past year, and a lot of the local residents suspect it's because of rampant shoplifting and the fact that the city has refused to prosecute shoplifting. One story mentioned more than $1,000 a day in losses to shoplifters. Is that a common
1: thing? Any company could have reasons. I don't know their reasons, but I do know that prescriptions are very profitable for a pharmacy, any pharmacy. And if they're not making money for whatever reason, because the patient population they're serving isn't profitable, they won't stay open. I mean, if you have a few shoplifting incidences or even multiple in a day, that's not going to impact your bottom line because that's all kind of front of store stuff that's not very expensive, comparatively speaking. I think from a business standpoint, I would be surprised if those are the reasons why pharmacies are closing.
0: So you mentioned Medicare and Medicaid reimbursements, are there any other solutions that you think may help?
1: There are several potential solutions. One, we identified pharmacy deserts for cities, but that's, you know, research and it's very important, but it needs to be standardized and we need to have a designation like we have for medically underserved areas for pharmacies too, especially as their role in primary care and public health is expanding. One of the first places federal and state governments looked at when they were considering COVID testing and vaccinations were community pharmacies. But we really don't know where they are and what they offer at a community level on an ongoing basis. And that really hinders our ability to Treat patients, but also vaccinate them now. Where are they not getting vaccinated and where are their pharmacies and where do they need to be if they're not there to ensure there's equity in vaccination rates and medication adherence? So I think one first key step is to actually identify these areas that lack pharmacies and pharmacy services, but need them. I think including pharmacies in community health centers that serve low income, publicly insured or uninsured populations is also a potential solution because most people that are serviced by community health centers live in pharmacy deserts so if we want to improve medication adherence and make sure they are able to get to the pharmacy the best thing to do is to just include an on-site pharmacy we found that many community health centers do not have an on-site pharmacy and increasing reimbursement rates by medicare and medicaid is one but also making sure pharmacies that serve minority neighborhoods like independent pharmacies are part of pharmacy networks. So increasingly health plans are telling patients where to go to fill their medications. And oftentimes that's not the pharmacy closest to their home. And that leads to two problems. One, patients have to travel further to get their medication filled and two, those pharmacies that are located in these minority neighborhoods have fewer people going there, and they're at risk for closing. And we found that to be the case.
0: Professor Dima Cato from the USC School of Pharmacy, thank you very much for sharing the results of your study with us today.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And for
0: InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. You're listening to Infotrac, a production of Syndication Networks of Chicago.